If you have your Bibles this morning, and you would find 1 Samuel 28th chapter this morning, and uh, today we're going to be looking at overcoming fear before fear destroys us. Overcoming fear before fear destroys us. So we are going verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel. We finished last week about how David was afraid. David was afraid for his life, and so he fled to the Philistine lands and lived there. And because of his fear, he fled. It caused all kinds of problems. And in this passage of Scripture, it's almost like Saul says, well, you were dumb, but let me show you what it really looks like to be dumb. And so we look here today about fear, and fear is something that all of us struggle with. You say, not me, pastor, I'm not afraid of anything. Well, then I just want you to know that you're not honest. Um, Sometimes we fear uh, health situations. Sometimes we fear the loss of a loved one. Sometimes we fear relationships after being hurt. Sometimes we fear the uncertainty of the future. Sometimes we fear death. There are so many things that cause fear and anxiety. And today I think the greatest struggle that we all have is that most of us won't admit that we're fearful. And then other people who want attention, that's all they want to talk about is how they are fearful. But what about those of us who are somewhere in the middle that know we have anxieties, know we have burdens, know we have fears, but yet it seems like they're too big to overcome? Today I want to show you about how fear can lead you to destruction, but it doesn't have to. And so I want to read a couple verses from the book of Isaiah today. Isaiah chapter 41, if you have your Bible and you would like to flip over there with us, we're going to have them on the screen behind me. If you would stand with me out of a reverence to the reading of God's Word and what the Bible says about fear, starting in Isaiah 41, verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I... I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. Behold, all those who were incensed against you shall be ashamed and disgraced. They shall be as nothing. And those who strive with you shall perish. You shall seek them and not find them. Those who contended with you, those who war against you, shall be as nothing, as a non-existent thing. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. He says, fear not, and then he explains why we shouldn't fear. And so today I pray that you would be honest with yourself and the Spirit of God And let God work in your hearts. Pray with me this morning. Father, today I come, Lord, just thanking you for who you are. And Lord, you know me. I'm a sinful man. Lord, I have struggles and failures that, Lord, I I wish I did not have. Lord, I'm thankful that you are a merciful and forgiving God. Father, today I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work. Not my words, but your words. Father, I pray that you would speak to that person that's here today that fears death because they do not have a relationship with you. Lord, to that person who is a believer but has got struggles and 
problems, God, today, I pray that you would show them that you're enough. And Father, that whatever you do today, Lord, I just pray that it would honor you and that you would be glorified. And so, Lord, I just ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And so if you're taking notes this morning, and I really hope that you do, and, and I know that you have been here a long time, you're sick of me hearing this, but I really do hope that you'll take notes for two reasons. One, to make sure that as you go back and study this week, that I have taught you the Word of God. You should not trust what I say just because I say it. You ought to trust what the preacher says because it lines up with what the Bible says. And God's people said, amen. And second of all, so that it helps you. I don't know about you, but I've listened to a lot of sermons in my life, and I can promise you that I forget half of them before the sermon's even over, right? And then the other stuff that I heard, I usually forget by the time that I am done eating lunch. And so it helps to have those notes and to go back and study and grow in your walk with the Lord. And so if you're taking notes this morning, and I hope that you will, the first thing is this. Fear drives us to find answers. Whether you are afraid for your health, whether you are afraid of the future, there is a reason that Google, you can literally type in your question, and before you finish your question, something is popping up. One of the most common searches on Google is what happens after death. That question is asked. Maybe today you need to fix something in your house. And you need to Google it, how to do this. Maybe you're wanting to invest, and before you go and talk to someone, it's, how do I? The questions are always going to come when there are areas of our life that we're not confident in, when we struggle in. Over the last couple of years, it's been COVID. Maybe it's been relationships. Maybe it's been so many different things for each and every one of us. But fear drives us to find answers. And fear drove Saul to find answers. And so look here in verses 3 through 6 with me of chapter 28. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him, and buried him in Ramah, in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. And so what happens is Saul has a common problem. He is facing an enemy army. If you remember a few chapters ago, the Philistines attacked Israel and they had a champion by the name of Goliath. And Saul and all Israel was terrified. And if it wasn't for God using David, a few chapters later, once again, the Philistines had taken the high ground and all of the choice positions for war. And Saul and his men were not doing anything about it. And a a family member of Saul, if you remember, climbed the edge of the cliff and the ravine, won a great battle, and spared their nation. And once again, Saul is fearing an enemy. He is trembling, the Bible says. And today I want you to know something. Just because you overcome a fear one time doesn't mean that it doesn't raise its ugly head again. 
Just because you've overcome a fear doesn't mean that you won't face a different one down the road. And so as you and I grow in our walk with God, we need to know something that this isn't just a one-time fix. We all can have weak moments. And so when I face fear and you face fear and we look to answers, where do we turn? Well, Saul went to the Lord. And you said, Jake, this isn't very fair. God wouldn't answer him. But I also want to show you something. In Saul's life, Samuel tried to give him godly advice. Saul wouldn't listen. Then David, his most trusted military commander and warrior, tried to give him advice, and he chased him down and tried to kill him. Eventually, at one point, Saul even sent in his soldiers to wipe out a whole town of religious leaders and prophets and priests, and not only them, but their family. And so Saul had every opportunity to listen to God, <clears throat> but yet, when things got bad, he wanted not to hear from God, he wanted God to work. You see, this morning I want you to hear this, that God knows your heart when you pray. You might ask for the things that everyone wants you to ask for, you might say all the right words in prayer. But God knows the heart behind why you pray. And God knew that Saul's heart was wicked. God knew that Saul was just giving him lip service. And you say, but Jake, what? I don't understand that in the New Testament, when we cry out to God, he hears us. I want to tell you there's a difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, when Saul lived, the Holy Spirit would come upon someone and it would equip them for a work or something that God wanted them to do. And then when God was done with that or they had sinned, that spirit would leave. In the New Testament, that's different. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that when you get saved, something miraculous happens. The very spirit of God comes to live within you, to indwell you, the Bible says. And the Bible says that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing that can take the Spirit of God out of you. And so we as New Testament believers have something that the Old Testament didn't have. We have the very Spirit of God living within us. And so the Spirit doesn't abandon us. He convicts us. He draws us. He works in our hearts and lives. Now, what does that mean for you as a Christian? Well, I do want you to know this, that if you are truly saved, and today the Spirit of God is working in your heart, that can look in many different ways. Maybe there's a sin in your life that you know shouldn't be there, but yet you keep telling God no. Maybe there's a fear in your life that you know that God wants you to overcome, and you just keep telling Him no. You can harden your heart. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. And while the Holy Spirit will not leave you, I want you to know that the Bible does give a very strong warning. In 1 Corinthians, when talking about people taking the Lord's Supper, in the wrong way, when not honoring God, when he deals with them, it says that some people have fallen asleep. And so what I believe is this, and you can be wrong and disagree with me, that's not a problem, that God loves you so much that when he saves you, he will never let you go. He will never say at some point, you have sinned so much that you are going to go to hell. But what I do believe is this, God will let you run for a long time and at some point before you are able to lose your salvation, God will take you home. God will remove you from this earth and take you to heaven. 
You say, Jake, that's not fair. The alternative would be for you to die and go to hell. It's a much better alternative. And so what we see here, though, in Saul's life is, in the Old Testament, Proverbs tells us that you could go to a point where God was done with you. Think about Pharaoh when he hardened his heart, and then God hardened his heart, and then Pharaoh hardened his heart, and God hardened his heart, and Pharaoh hardened his heart, and God hardened his heart, and to the point where even losing his firstborn son, allowing all of the firstborn children in Egypt to die, still didn't soften him up. And friends, you can get there this morning. And fear and sin is what takes you on that path. Listen to what the Bible says, though, in Psalm 23. When you are looking for answers, don't trust the news. Don't trust the opinions of other people. Trust the Lord. Psalms 23, starting in verse 4, says these words. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Today, if you want answers, I want you to know that God's word has the answers. I don't have all the answers. I don't always have good advice. I say dumb things all the time. I say things, and as soon as they leave my mouth, I think, why? Why? But the Word of God, if you want to know how to be the parent that God wants you to be, this book will tell you. If you don't want to know what heaven is going to be like, do you want to know what it takes to get to heaven? Do you want to know what it takes to be the man or woman of God that God wants you to be in your marriage? This book will tell you because it is God's Word. It is true. It is perfect. It has no errors, no mistakes. And God says, if you want to know truth, if you want to know answers, friends, shut off your television. Quit reading the, the, the stuff that you're reading, listening to the people you're listening to, and listen to what God has to say to you. You see, Saul could have heard for God at any time. He could have listened to Samuel. He could have listened to David. He could have listened to the prophets. But he didn't want to hear from God only when it all fell apart. And this morning, I want you to know something. If today everything is falling apart, if you've got a health diagnosis that you don't understand, if you've lost a loved one, if you're going through difficulties at work and home, know this, that God cares. But this morning, if you really want to see God work in your life, you can't just come wanting the blessings of God. You have to come wanting him. Say, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do in my life, but I love you. God, I trust you in our marriage. God, I trust you at work. God, I trust you as I deal with the loneliness and grief. God, I trust you as I struggle to trust other people because of the hurt that I've went through. God, I trust you and how you can work in my heart and life. But Saul just said, I'm going to die. I'm going to lose the kingdom. I'm going to be defeated. And I need God to what? Fix my situation, but not me. Second thing I want to show you this morning is, is not only does fear drive us to find answers, fear will drive us to seek answers in all the wrong places. You can look for more than love in all the wrong places, all right? You can look for answers in the wrong places. 
And so starting in verses 7 through 11, we see that Saul goes to the wrong source. In verse 7 it says, Now the time, no, excuse me. Then Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, In fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes, and he went. And two men with him, and they came to the woman by night, and he said, Please conduct a seance for me, and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. Then the woman said to him, Look, you know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and the spiritists from the land. Why then do you lay a snare for my life to cause me to die? And Saul swore to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. You see, when God did not answer him, he said, I'll find out what God wants from the last person that I know that heard from God. But did you notice something that God had used Saul to remove the witchcraft and the sorcery and the mediums from the land. And I want to say something this morning, and it won't go over very well for some of you, and that that's okay. I'm a grown man. I've got broad shoulders, and I can take it. God's Word is the only source of truth in your life. You should not be involved in things like horoscopes and 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 peddling Ouija, all that stuff, even though you might not think it has any power, any negative effect, it is not something that God wants in your life. So I don't care if you think you're an Aries, a Sadducee, I don't know what they are or what they're not, but you need to find out that you are who God made you. And you need to believe what God says about you and the hope that God gives you, not false hope and prophecy that comes not from the Lord. Okay. And so what happens is Saul says, I'm going to go to a medium, someone who, whether they could or could not, uh, communicate with the dead. And Saul says, I need answers. But yet God had said, these people should not be allowed to be practicing this. It's something that God hates, that God will punish. But yet Saul said he wanted to hear from God, but yet in his difficulty ran from God. How many times have you seen that happen in your life? Someone goes through a hard time. Maybe they go through a difficulty. And right after that, they run to God. Or maybe something's going on in their life and they need God to deliver them and to forgive them. And so they run to church. Friends, that is good. God wants you to run to Him. God wants you to seek Him. God wants you to love Him. But never forget that God wants not just to change your situation. God doesn't just want to fix your problem. God wants you. God wants a relationship with you. God wants to spend eternity with you. God wants to know you and to love you and to show you who he is. And so never think that the blessings of God outweigh the blesser. Because God is enough. In Psalms, the ninth chapter, verse 10, the Bible says it like this. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. God says, trust me in your fear. Trust me in your difficulty. There are some of you here today that even though you won't admit it, are terrified of what tomorrow is going to bring. Whether it's a sickness, whether it's 
a, a relationship issue, whether it's a financial issue, maybe it's the baggage that you're carrying with you that you don't want anyone else to find out about you, and you're living in a constant state of fear, and God says, trust me. Trust me that I can take care of you. Trust me that I can provide for you. Trust me that I can do what you need. Because Saul didn't do that. Saul ran to the one place that God didn't want him to be to find answers. Third thing I want to show you is fear will drive us to find answers. Fear can drive us to the wrong place to find answers. And fear can result in us learning difficult truths. Fear can result in us learning difficult truths. Not everything that you learn is good for you. Not everything that is true is good for you. But listen to what it says here in verses 12 through 19 as he finds this woman and she begins this process. And it says in verse 12, When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman spoke to Saul, saying, Why have you deceived me? For you are Saul. And the king said to her, don't miss the irony of this, don't be... He is there because he is afraid. Don't be afraid. Hmm. <clears throat> what do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a spirit ascending out of the earth. So he said to her, what is his form? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. And he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed down. Now Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I am deeply distressed. For the Philistines make war against me and God has departed from me and does not answer me anymore neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I have called you that you may reveal to me what I should do. I want to just stop right there because many people will argue, well, was it really Samuel? Is it really possible? What, what is going on here? And what I want you to know is I have no idea. Whether God gave this a one-time opportunity or God gave the appearance of Samuel, I don't know. And whatever you believe is fine with me. But what you need to know is this was sin in every form. It was wrong in everything according to God's word. And so in verse 16 it says, Then Samuel said, So why do you ask me, seeing the Lord has departed from you and has become your enemy? And the Lord has done for himself as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord, nor execute his fierce wrath upon Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. The Lord will also deliver the army of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. You see, I want you, I want you to miss this. Samuel tells him, you're going to die and so are all of your children. All of your sons tomorrow. Wow. People always say, oh, I'd love to know when I was going to die, it would change how I live. No, it would ruin your life. Because it would be all that would consume you. Can you imagine the fear and anxiety and struggle that Saul had? We're going to look at it in just a minute by learning this. But I don't want you to miss this. Samuel says, who's to blame for this? 
you are. God told you what to do and you wouldn't do it. God told you the consequences of your sin and yet you didn't believe him. And so what Saul realizes in this moment is death is coming to our home and I'm the cause of it. You see, friends, this morning I want you to know something. Just because you want the truth and just because you seek the truth from other people doesn't mean it's what you will want to hear. Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 34, describes it like this. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Saul was trying to worry about what he could not control the future instead of what he could control today. Saul could have got along with God and say, God, forgive me for my sins. Saul could have been spending time preparing battle plans and inspiring his army. Saul could have been chasing down David and saying, David, I have sinned and, and I've ran you out of the country and you're the one that de de defended us last time. Would you come back and fight for me? But none of those things he did. You see, friends, when fear gripes, grips us, when fear controls us, we begin to operate in the unknown, the things that we can't control. What keeps you up all night? What the doctor is going to tell you tomorrow. You can't speed it up. You, you can't change what the doctor is going to tell you, but yet what the unknown. You can't control what other people are going to do. You can't control how they're going to treat you, but yet what keeps us up all night? What's it going to be like? And so today I want you to know something, that God wants you to do what you can do. That's prayer. That's fast. That's obedience. That's following Him. But you have to trust in the moments of your life that are causing you the fear and the anxiety and the struggle, that God can take care of the results. God can heal a situation. God can restore a relationship. God can give victory where there is no victory. You cannot do those things. All you can do is be who God has called you to be. You cannot control what your enemy does to you. All you can do is control being who God wants you to be. And so Saul learned a terrible truth. This morning, it's like this. Friends, you and I cannot control where someone spends eternity. You can pray for them. You can tell them the truth. You can preach the gospel to them. But it is still their responsibility to respond. But friends, today you can respond. Today you can respond in your own life if you're here and you're lost. You say, Jake, I don't know what heaven's going to be like. I don't understand what's going to go on there. Am I going to get to fish? Am I not going to get to fish? Am I going to? I cannot tell you all the details about heaven, but I can tell you this. Jesus said that he was going to prepare a place for those that love him. John chapter 14. He said, there are many mansions there. If it were not so, I would not have told you. He says, I'm not lying to you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas says, well, Lord, how do we know where you're going to be? And how do we know where to get there? And Jesus said, I've prepared a place for you, and I'm going to tell you how to get there. And Jesus says those famous words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And so this morning, I can't tell you everything about heaven. I can tell you a lot of things about heaven. But what I can tell you is this, is that Jesus is the only way to go. Jesus is the only way to get there. 
And so if you're here today and you're saying, Jake, I'm worried about what happens when I die. Jake, I'm worried about if I'm ready when I die. Friends, that is a fear that you cannot get over any other way than today saying, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Lord, I believe that Jesus Christ is who the Bible says that he is that he died upon the cross, that he was buried, that he rose again. And Lord, I want you to come into my heart and my life and be my Lord and Savior. So Lord, that I don't understand it all and I don't have all the details worked out. But Lord, I believe that when I leave this world, when I take my last breath, that absent from the body is present with the Lord. Friends, that's how you live your life. But you cannot change things about heaven. You say, well, Jake, what about hell? I don't even want to know. I believe it's a real place and it's a terrible place and it's a place that I do not want to go and I do not want you to go. The last thing I want to show you this morning is fear drove Saul to find answers and it will drive us to find answers. Fear will draw, draw, drive you to pl- find answers in all the wrong places. And fear will result in you learning things that you don't want to learn. But friends, fear will not lead you to be right with God. Fear will not lead you to be right with God. Now you say, but doesn't the Bible says to fear and respect the Lord? Absolutely. But that's not what we see in this passage of Scripture. Starting in verse 20, it says, Immediately Saul fell full length on the ground and was dreadfully afraid because of the words of Samuel. And there was no strength in him, for he had eaten no food all day or all night. And the woman came to Saul and saw that he was severely troubled and said to him, Look, your maidservant has obeyed your voice, and I have put my life in my hands and heeded the words which you spoke to me. Now, therefore, please heed also the voice of your maidservant and let me set a piece of bread before you and eat, that you may have strength when you go on your way. But he refused and said, I will not eat. So his servants, together with the woman, urged him, and he heeded their voice. Then he arose from the ground and sat on the bed. Now the woman had a fatted calf in the house, and she hastened to kill it. And she took flour and kneaded it and baked unleavened bread from it. So she brought it before Saul and his servants, and they ate. Then they rose and went away that night. You see, friends, even though he was presented with a terrible truth, that his life was going to end, that his children were going to die, he still didn't make things right with God. He was affected. He laid in the ground on his face in fear, but it didn't lead to faith. And friends, you can be afraid of everything and still be wrong with God. You can know the truth about your problems and failures and mistakes and still not be right with God. I think it's interesting, though, that this woman would have really been a pagan priestess. She would have been involved in pagan worship, pagan celebrations. And so what she literally offers the king of Israel, the man who is supposed to be following God, is a pagan feast. And if you notice anything about this, the fatted calf and the unleavened bread is very familiar to what you see in Jewish celebrations. And so this king has given up his robes to come in secrecy. It's a foreshadow that he's going to lose the kingdom. He gives up his right to worship the one true God by worshiping a pagan. And friends, this morning I want you to know this. 
you have an opportunity to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You have the opportunity to have a relationship with the God who hung the stars in the sky. You have an opportunity to have a personal one-on-one fellowship with the God who created everything out of nothing. But it comes through Jesus. But friends, what fear does is it causes us to be idol worshipers. And I'm going to get specific. And so if I upset you, I apologize beforehand. If you don't trust that God can care for your health, you will make the National Institute for Health your God. If you don't believe that God can provide for your financial needs, the New York Stock Exchange will be your God. If you don't trust that God can be a friend that sticks closer than a brother, the people in your life will become idols. If, you don't, if you're not satisfied in God and what He can do for your life, you will begin to fill it with hobbies that bring you happiness and joy, and they become your idols. You see, this morning, God wants you to know Him and to love Him and to trust Him and to enjoy the benefits and blessings of a relationship with Him. But friends, fear will rob you of all of that because fear will have you replace Him with something else. First Peter describes it like this this morning, the answer for our problem. In First Peter chapter 5, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You say, well, Jake, I know that I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of, of, uh, I'm afraid of um, zippers or buttons. In my case, it's button because I keep popping them off all my suits. But, uh, but I, I'm going to overcome that fear. Friends, that's not how fear is overcome. Fear is overcome when you and I come to Jesus and say, Lord, there's nothing in me that can do this. Lord, I can't forgive and trust people again because of the hurt that I've been through. Lord, I'm terrified of that. God, I'm terrified of death and what's going to happen after death. God, I'm terrified of my health and the the side effects of what I've been through. Lord, I'm terrified of losing my job and not being able to provide for me. You see, it starts by humbling yourself. Today, you cannot find the power and presence of God by being prideful. But if you'll come today and say, Lord, here I am, sinful and broken and hurting. Lord, I need you. Listen to what it says. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Don't miss this. This is so special. If you have ever been with someone as they are getting ready to leave this world and they have been sick for a while, there is something that you almost always do when you stand by their bedside. And that is what? Take their hand. And usually that hand is very weak. There's very little strength. And you hold on to that as a sign of compassion and love and care. But what it says in this passage of Scripture is, you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He says that when you humble yourself, the power and authority of God is what you are relying on. This is a power that knows no limit. This is an authority that knows no limit. It is a God who can do anything in every situation. And then it goes on to says that he may exalt you in due time. And don't miss these words. Casting all your care. All your anxieties. All your fear. Whichever translation you have upon him. For he cares for you. Now the word all has one 
meaning, but it's described in two ways in the Bible. One, it can mean all, as in all of you sitting in here, or it can mean every section. That means there are four sections of seats in here today, and all of that would be four out of four. Or the way I like to describe it, a pie has six pieces. I can eat all the pie, or I can eat six out of six pieces. It's the same meaning, but it has two different applications. And what he says here is, there is not a fear, there is not an anxiety, there is not a problem, there's not a heartbreak, there's not a sin, there's not a burden that you are carrying here this morning that God does not want, and that God cannot carry, and that God cannot heal, that God cannot fix, that God cannot forgive. He says, whatever your burden is this morning, whatever your brokenness is this morning, you bring it. He's able. He, I'm not able. This church is not able, but that he is able. Second Timothy describes it like this, and we're going to close. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Now, I don't know what you believe about dreams or don't believe about dreams. That's between you and your theological positions. That's fine. This morning, this week, as I was preparing the finishing touches on this sermon, I have two main fears, two things that, that cause me the most fear. One is my children. Not that I'll have more. That's of its own fear. But, uh, but something happening to them, something happening terrible to them. Um, so, you know, uh, I didn't get emotional in the first service, but I guess I will in this one. But losing a child is something that causes me fear because I've seen it firsthand uh, in my own home. That causes me great fear. And two is failing God. Failing God, one, because he's been so good to me, I don't deserve the blessings that he's given me. I, I was a heathen. If you, if you didn't know me when I was in high school, you could ask Jeremy Wilson and many other people here. I was an ungodly, wicked heathen. And God should have smitten me, smited me, whatever the word is, then. And so everything he's given me is so much more than I deserve. But it's also failing him that causes other people problems. It's the damage that it causes you when a pastor screws up. It's the damage it causes a family and a marriage when a pastor falls short. And so those are the things that honestly cause me the most fear. And you say, well, Jake, I can't believe you just admitted that in front of all of us. I'm not Jesus. I have struggles. I have fears. And what God said is I woke up seven times this Friday night into Saturday morning. And each time, most of us don't remember our dreams because they're so weird we forget them. Every single time when I woke up from a dream, it was about losing a child or failing God or failing you. And it was literally like God was saying, Jake, if you're going to get up there and preach about fear, you're going to get up there and preach about anxiety. If you're going to get up there and preach about burdens, you better let me have yours. And this morning, I'm telling you that God wants our burdens. God wants our fears. God wants our sins because he is enough. And so this morning, I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Every head will be bowed. Every eye is closed. I'm not even going to be looking around. If you're here today and you're thankful that you are born again, that you are saved, and that you know, even though you don't understand it all and you might not be ready to go today, that when God calls your number, 
when God says today is your last day, that you know without a shadow of a doubt that you will leave this world and go to heaven. Would you just slip up your hand? Not a person looking around. I'm not going to be looking around. No one else looking around. I just want you to know today and acknowledge, do you really believe that? You can put your hands down. Thank you if you raised them or if you didn't. But today, if you're here and you don't know or you could not raise your hand, I want you to know something. That fear will control your life. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Because friends, it's a real fear. Because he's a real God. But the Bible says these wonderful truths. That even though you are a sinner and God knows your heart. Even though God knows that you're a rebel and that you've run from him and that you've sinned. He loves you. And he loves you so much that he sent Jesus Christ. The very son of God to live a perfect life. He was willing to go to the cross and he willingly let them hang him on that cross. And while he hung on that cross, God poured out every judgment for the sins that have been committed, yours and mine. And Jesus died taking the punishment that we deserve, all of us. And thankfully, three days later, the Bible says that Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death and the grave. He revealed himself to hundreds of people, if not thousands, to show them that he was alive. And he went to heaven. And he's coming back again. And he says, and the scriptures say, that today, friends, you are lost without Jesus. You're on your way to hell. You are an enemy of God. But if the Spirit of God is convicting you today, not Jacob Gray, but if you are here today and you realize, I'm lost. I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus. Today, you can be saved. Today, you can turn to him and find forgiveness and hope. You say, Jake, what does that look like? That means if you're under conviction today, you have to admit to God that you're a sinner. Father, I am a sinner. Jesus, I believe that you are who the Bible says that you are. And then you've got to just confess, Lord, I want you to come into my heart and life. Forgive me of my sins and be the Lord and Savior of my life. And the Bible says that if you will call on the name of the Lord that way, you will be saved today. Not because I said so, not because this church said so, but because God said so through his word. And so if you are lost or if you have just prayed along with me, God can save you and will save you and has. Today, let someone know. Let someone, I'd love to answer any questions that you had down here at the altar or after church. But if you're here today, as I suspect many of you are, you would say that you're saved. But this morning, I want you to know that I bet you've got fears. Maybe it's your grandkids growing up in a world that seems to hate God. Maybe it's that things at home aren't the way they should be. Maybe you don't know how things are going to go with an economy that's, you know, being ran by a socialist. Whatever it may be today, there's fear that has creeped into your heart and life. Friends, God wants you to bring it to him. You say, well, Jake, I can't come to the altar because I don't want people to know that I've got fear. Friends, God knows your fears, and that's all that matters. And so whether you pray at this altar or pray where you're seated, know that whatever you're struggling with today, God can take care of it. But friends, don't miss this warning. If God doesn't take care of it,
it will bring you to ruin. It will ruin your home. It will ruin your family. It will ruin your relationships. But it doesn't have to. Because that's the God that we serve. And so if you would stand with me as we pray. These altars are going to be open as we pray. Or you can come after we finish praying. But do business with God this morning. Father, I pray right now. Lord, that your spirit is at work in this place. God, I pray that you would convict. Lord, I pray that you would work. God, I pray today that people who, who have been cold and stony and, and distant, God, that you would soften their hearts right now. That you would show them that you love them, that you care about them. God, that you want to change them and heal them and restore them. God, today is that day. And God, I pray that for those that are here that are lost and under conviction, God, that you'd save them today. That you give them the courage and the hope to know that if they ask for forgiveness, you can forgive them. Father, I pray for whatever the fear is, whatever the struggle is, whatever the sin is, that today, God, would be the day that your people find forgiveness and hope and restoration. And Lord, I'm going to give you praise and honor for the victories you're going to win in this place today. And they all belong to you. And God, I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking, the Holy Spirit's been working, that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please, reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.